let's get into God's word. You know, I challenged you during worship to pray with all your heart. You know why? I, I, just, I just know that the challenges come up. And I, I want us to be a praying, worshipful church. To understand the power in worship. And if you, if you, if you want to connect deeper, go through and read First and Second Samuel, specifically the life of David. And then get into his psalms and how David, he was a mighty man of battle. But we get mixed up and we think that it all was done on the, on the battlefield of, of, uh, of war. No, it was done on the battlefield of the spirit in worship. Many times David had already won the battle in worship before he ever stepped on the physical battlefield. You see it time and time again where David worshiped with all his might, where he went before the ark and he prayed and, and before he would move and before he would make a decision, before he would attack, he would pray and bathe things in worship and God would fight the battle for him. Can I tell us, some of us are trying to fight the battle in our own strength. We're trying to fight the battle in our own strength and that's not very wise, and a lot of times, can I just be honest with you? We don't live by the power of the amazing Holy Spirit. We live in our own strength. You know, can anyone see this? I have a broken collarbone. What is this, a clavicle? I broke my clavicle before a Sunday morning. You know why? Because I was going to demonstrate. You know, I'm big about my props and I use songs and music and do all kinds of things. I had borrowed, listen to this, a classic Harley. They dropped it off early while we were still meeting in the school. And I was going to have a, a certain gentleman start it up at just the right time in the message. But prior to this, the man who brings the Harley says, don't you want to get on it? I said, yes, I got on it. He says, don't you want to take it for a spin? I said, no. He says, yes, you do. Come on, this is a classic Harley. You may never get this opportunity again. Beware when people tell you you may never have this opportunity again. And if you're anything like me, I'm big about grabbing life. Come on, anyone like to live to the fullest? I love living to the fullest. So Luke, I'm like, I may never have this opportunity again. I'm doing it, man. So I cranked that baby up and I took off. And I'm going in the parking lot. I'm doing really good until I did not see the median. They put these little islands in parking lots, like just in random spots. And I look up and I'm about to hit it you know, and just bounce over this thing. So I tried to turn. I laid this thing down this way. Crushed my cell phone that was on my hip. That saved my hip. Broke my collarbone, scraped up his whole Harley, and ended up in the hospital because I was like hurting. My leg, everything was hurting. Um, you say, but what was the point? The point was this. I was trying to highlight for the church, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Do you know the reason you've been saved is to, is to hasten the return of your king? Listen, Jesus says you will be a witness. 
Therefore, go and make disciples. Be a witness to me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Luke puts it this way, and you will be a witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Matthew, go back to Matthew 24, Matthew says, And this gospel will be preached in all the earth as a witness to me, and then the end will come. You are called to be a witness, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, when I'd say, and you shall receive power, he was supposed to go, vroom, 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 scare everybody half to death. You know what I mean? It was going to be awesome. It was going to be like a Dr. Rob type of message. Come on. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't snap like him. He snaps so loud, doesn't he? And he's like, it would have been great. But instead... It didn't happen that way. I had to preach it sometime later. And so what happened is they got another classic Harley. This time I got nowhere near it. And this was a kickstart one. And I go, I said, some of us are riding on life's super highway, Desmond. This is a serious life we live in. It's got a lot of challenges. And you're trying to get on the life super highway on a 10-speed. You need power. Come on, anyone here get my drift? You're trying to do it in your own strength. And just then I would say, you, should, you will receive power. And the guys were supposed to go, vroom, 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 vroom. but you hear him going. And I know what's going on, but the whole church is going, what the heck is happening? And he says it won't start. And so there's two more guys in there. And they start praying over the bike and he gets on the seat. He gets on the seat. And he's holding the handlebars. They had big, uh, uh, the, the big handlebars, you know, and he's holding, and he goes, and just then it, I mean, it erupted. And it was in that little closet at the school, and the doors fling open, and everybody reaches for their pistol, you know. I thought we were gonna have a shootout at the OK Corral. It was crazy. And people hit the deck and the bike comes raring out. It lunges out there. Keith, it was awesome, man. And I go, you will receive power. Come on, guys. This is what this message is about. The power of the Holy Spirit. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without it. That's why Paul says to the Roman church, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation comes when you're trying to do it in your strength and the enemy says you're not good enough. Can I tell you something? You're not good enough. Accept it and receive the goodness of Jesus Christ. So when the enemy says you're not good enough, say I know. That's why I accepted him because he's ultimately good enough. Amen? Turn it around and worship the king of glory. When he says, you're a failure, yes, I am, but he never has failed. When he says, oh my gosh, you don't know how to do it. You will never make it. I'll never made it, but thank you that he's already made it. You see, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives you life and has set you free from the law of sin and death. I was under the law. I used to have to do it in my own strength, but now I'm under the grace of Jesus Christ, and that's a gift I don't deserve, but I'll say thank you all day long because he deserves it. You say, that's so simple, but that's the Christian walk. It takes a lifetime to understand that it's not about us. We are called to be sheep. We're called to be sheep. You want to kill a sheep? Load him down. Load him up with stuff. 
Use them as a pack mule and you'll kill them. A sheep is not meant to pack things around. A sheep is not meant to be burdened and to carry all kinds of things. A sheep is supposed to listen to the voice of his shepherd and go where the shepherd leads and be completely dependent on the shepherd. You're called to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit and be dependent on the Holy Spirit and to say, Holy Spirit, where should I go? Oh, you need to come here and walk by still waters. You need to lie down in green pastures. You need to follow me and trust me through the valley of the shadow of death. I will prepare a table before you in the in the presence of your enemy. And surely goodness will be with you all the days of your life. Why? Because I am faithful and if you trust the good shepherd, he will provide. He will provide. You're not called to be an ox. You're not called to be a mule. You're not called to be any of those other animals. But yet some of us are trying to carry our burdens around and it's going to lead to condemnation. Say to yourself right here, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I'm sorry for being a donkey. <laughs> so you go, I don't know if I can say that, Pastor. Okay, well then maybe you're being a, ho- a horse, a, 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 an ox. Maybe that, that's me. I, I, how many of us, am I the only one that carries junk around all week long and wonders why I don't have this spirit-filled life? Because I'm doing it wrong. You say, Pastor, well then how do you do it right? You got to be set free from condemnation. You got to receive the joy and love that God has for you. This is part two, walking in the spirit. I mean, excuse me, part three. You'll see it up there. And we said last week to walk in the Spirit is to live moment by moment in dependency upon Him. So be completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Now some of you are saying right now, see that's where you get me. I don't like being dependent on anyone. That it's going to be a heavy life and if you're a sheep, you're going to collapse. You have to be dependent on the shepherd. You have to allow him to lead you. And the way you're dependent, the way you show true dependence is you have to be sensitive. Sensitive and obedient. You say sensitive and obedient, but how how can I be sensitive and obedient? Well, then Paul goes into strict detail and, 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 and a lot of doctrine on how to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. How to walk by the Spirit of God. Is there anyone here that's saying, I want to know what, how, it is, how to walk by the Spirit of God? I'd love to walk by the Spirit of God. I want to see and sense that freedom. The rest of us are like, yeah, no. Are you, are you good? Are you good? Are you awake? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about walking in unity. The first key to walking by the Spirit that he highlights after you receive the Spirit How do you receive the Spirit? Through faith. So let me just cover that before we go into chapter 4. Because I said this in in first service. I said it without planning to say it. And the Spirit used it. I could tell because many people came up afterwards and said, wow, thank you for that. So now I know I have to share it with you. See, in chapters 1 and 2, the Bible says that we receive the Spirit of grace through faith. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. You had nothing to do with it. God gave it all to you. All you had to do was open your hands through faith. But then some of us get that mixed up because the Bible says without faith you cannot know God. But what if you get it mixed up to where you start worshiping faith instead of the object of faith? 
That's what happened during the faith movement. The faith movement put more emphasis on faith than they did on God. At one point, there was an erroneous teaching, stay with me on this, there was an erroneous teaching in the faith movement that God used faith. How does God use faith? What is that faith grounded in? What is the object of that faith? See, that's bad, that's just bad theology. God doesn't use faith. He doesn't need faith. We need faith. And now abide it, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Notice when that is said. That's said in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. When you see the perfect one, and it's no longer a mystery, and you're in heaven with Jesus, you're not going to need faith and hope. Why? Because faith and hope are needed when you need an object that you cannot see. But when you see the one face to face, you know face to face, you no longer need faith and hope. You only need love because he is love, not faith, and he's not hope. He is love. He is the object of faith. So it's not, it's, it's not enough to just say, oh, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. It's all about faith. No, it's all about what faith points to. Faith shows you you're not enough, but he is ultimately enough. So the way this works is to say, Lord, even my faith may not be good enough, but you are good enough. Do you remember the man that came to Jesus asking to heal his child and Jesus questioned his faith and he said, Lord, help me with my unbelief. And Jesus said, now that's some faith. Faith is knowing that you don't have enough faith. Come on now. Some people have made an idol out of their faith. You're going to lead, it's going to lead you to condemnation. How so? Because the enemy will take that when things aren't going your way and say, it's about your faith. You're not good enough. Look at this. Look at that. And then you get all wrought up and say, I must be sick because I don't have enough faith. Uh, Things may not be going for me because I don't have enough faith because it's not about you. You fall into that trap. You're right back at the beginning. Condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, thank you because I know that even my faith is weak, but you are more than enough, Lord. You are more than enough, Lord. You are more than enough, Lord. Now, some of you have been brought up in the faith movement, so you're thinking, I don't know if I like that. I'm so used to making such a big deal out of faith. No, the big deal is Christ. The big deal is Christ. The big deal is Christ. Let me say it again. The big deal is Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that even when I was weak in faith, thank you, Lord, when I don't even know all that I don't know, you know enough, and you reached out. You saved me. You pursued me. You get all the glory. I'm not going to parcel this up and say, well, Lord, you did this, but my faith did this. Paul says in Romans 12, even your faith is a gift from him. Thank you be to God. Oh man, I didn't mean to preach all that. I got to hurry. Okay, walk in unity. That's how you really grab hold of this idea of walking in the spirit. Walk in unity. Listen to what he says. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all loneliness, lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, don't think too much of yourself. Don't think too much of yourself. You start thinking too much of yourself, you start putting too much on yourself, you start thinking it's about you. That leads to condemnation. Instead, Focus on others. Why? Because that's the nature of God. 
The nature is always of God is others. For God so loved the world that he gave his life for others. And number three, Verse 3 is the key there. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So walking in the Spirit is how we do this. And then he goes immediately into this conversation about spiritual gifts. And it accents how to walk in unity. Because unity is about others. And spiritual gifts is about others. Now watch the way this fits together. Because he says about spiritual gifts, and he himself gave. I highlighted the word give because that is a key term in this passage. How so? Because to give is to be selfless. To give is to be sacrificial. God is a giver, and he wants you to reflect that likeness. To be a giver. Now, you'll see this developed in, the next, in this chapter and the next chapter. This idea of being a giver. You want to walk in the Spirit? Think of yourself less and others more. Give instead of taking. Be sacrificial and work on the unity. That means don't worry so much about your feelings. Worry about your brother's feelings. Don't worry about what's in it for you. Worry about how you can bless others. Watch, you'll see it. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. This is the five-fold ministry here that he begins to unfold. That's not what I want to preach on today, so stay with me on this. For the equipping of the saints. So he gave the gifts, and he gave the gifted people, that's you and me, for the purpose of blessing each other. Do you get that? Now, the gift is the gift of grace. How do we know that? Because to the Corinthian church, he says that these these spiritual gifts are a part of the charisma, the gift of grace. The gift of grace is what? Stay with me. What is the gift of grace? Salvation. For by grace you have been saved through Faith, this is not of yourselves. It's not something you did so that you cannot boast in his presence, but it is a gift of God. You were saved. He describes salvation in the first two chapters of Ephesians. So we know it's salvation. We also know that when he's talking to the Corinthian church, now I'm setting some doctrine and theology straight for some folks right now. That's why I'm going into a little bit more detail because some folks believe that you receive salvation, but the Holy Spirit comes later. That is not correct if you read God's word. If you read God's word, the Bible says in the book of Romans, we read this last week, listen to me very closely. If you do not have the spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, you are not his. That's what the Bible says in the book of Romans. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, when you receive salvation, you are sealed until the day of redemption with who? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the gift of grace. You say, but pastor, sometimes a person doesn't always know what their gifts are. Exactly. But that doesn't mean you don't have it. Can you have a gift and not unwrap it for a while? Yeah. But when you unwrap it, you begin to understand. And this is how dynamic the Spirit is. I didn't know I was called to be a pastor until I was 28, but I got saved at the age of nine. And that gift was there for me. 
as I walk in the spirit, those gifts begin to unravel. How do I know this? Because if you go to the book of Corinthians, he tells the Corinthian church, y'all are a bunch of immature little Christians. That's putting it mildly, right? So as he says to the Corinthian church, come on, stay with me, smile a little bit. Let me know you're, li- you're listening. Do you, have you read the book of Corinthians? First Corinthians, I mean, they were doing some bad stuff. And Paul's like, oh my gosh, this guy's sleeping with this person. This, this. I mean, they were doing all kinds of nonsense. And he says, he doesn't say you're not Christians. As a matter of fact, he says, I thank the Lord that you fall behind in no gift. Means you're immature, but you have your gifts. Now you got to learn how to walk in them and unfold them. Because you're trying to do them for your own benefit. And listen to what he says to the Ephesian church. The gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of the church. Look right there. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? Till we all come to the unity. The unity of our belief and trust in God. That's what he says. And the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying this. When we come together and we walk in the Spirit and those gifts start to unfold and we start to serve each other and build each other up, then we represent the very body and presence of Christ in the community in which he puts us. And my gift's going to be different from Koi's gift. And Koi's gift is going to be different from Laura's gift. And Laura's gift's going to be different from Destiny's gift. But when we all come together, we represent Jesus. And people say, wow, foundation. Come on now. Wow, foundation. Wow, foundation. What an example of Jesus Christ. What an example of Jesus Christ. Jesus is dynamic and vast and beautiful and grand. One person can't handle it by themselves. We need a body coming together to represent our Lord and Savior. Amen? And so you walk in unity. How do you walk in unity? You have to walk in the Spirit. Paul continues this on. You have to let go of the past. So he says, I tell you and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer walk or live as the Gentiles do. That's the way you used to be. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding, that's up here, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So I want you to think about something. What he says is first, when you're not walking in the spirit, your thoughts are futile. They won't amount to anything meaningful because only that which the spirit leads will last. And when you think in your flesh, this is what's happening. Read, read it right there. Your thoughts are futile. Your understanding becomes dark. That means the things of light don't make sense. And then what happens? Then your heart gets hardened. When your heart starts getting hardened, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we unfold this whole message. Then your sensitivity begins to what? Go, watch having lost all sensitivity. And so if you're a Christian and you're feeling like you're not sensitive to the things of the Spirit, then maybe you're on step three, going in the wrong direction. That's what it says. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. Sensuality is saying, I want to feed my senses. I want to do what's 
what, what feels good to me. And the more you do that, you will indulge in more and more impurity and you will be full of greed. Now, Paul highlights that word greed a lot because greed is wanting and wanting and wanting. And my, the old version I used to study says with a continual lust for more, instead of greed, a continual lust for more. What Paul is saying, if you're not careful and you allow yourself to start floating in this direction, you know what happens? You can't get no satisfaction. Come on, who's saying that? I can't get no satisfaction. They would be the ones singing to the devil, wouldn't they? It's the truth. You're on the wrong path. Only when you turn and you give your life to God can you be filled with the fullness of joy. Can you be filled to your overflowing? When you give your life to God and you do things God's way, then he begins to illuminate your mind. He begins to soften your heart. He begins to give you sensitivity to the things of God. He begins to lead you in a life everlasting. Isn't that what we talk about? Stay with me on this because he says this. In verse 23, we're just following down. We just read Verse 19, we're dropping down to 23 now. Listen to what he says. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Where did the attack start? In your thoughts. Where does the life of the spirit start? Understanding that it's not about you. It's about God. Being humble in your faith. And it's about others. And then, what happened to my Bible? Stay with me, Brittany. It's about God's word. When you read God's word, it renews your mind. It supernaturally changes your thoughts. That's what God's word does. Now watch this. And you begin to want to put away the old man and you put on the new man. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holy. Keep going with me because he goes down to 25 and he says, now I'm going to give you some practicals. So he's been talking very what? High level. Now he's going to get down to the nitty gritty. He says you need to walk in humility. You need to know it's not about you. You need to know it's all about God. God did it all. You need to what? Renew your mind. But now he's saying, okay, you want some, some to-dos? Stop lying. That's a good one. Stop lying. Because if you're getting the truth in you, then the truth needs to come out of you. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Always speak the truth in love. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're called to be what? Ambassadors of God's truth. So he says, stop lying. Speak to each other in a way that will build each other up. For we are members of one another. Now watch this one. Be angry, but do not sin. That's a hard one, isn't it? Anyone ever tried to be angry and not sin? You know, I, I love this one. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Husbands and wives, amen? Now, some of you are saying, it's easy for, for Paul to say he wasn't married. He wasn't married. That is a hard thing to do, to get angry and not sin. And I used to use my whole uh, ethnic heritage as a, an excuse. Well, I'm Latino, so I, I, that's, how we, that's how we roll. We just kind of, we're just fiery. We're not really sinning. We're just like, we're just throwing stuff. 
you know, you know what I mean? We're just getting loud. It, it, it's not a real argument if the neighbors don't hear, you know what I mean? And <laughs> that's just the way Hispanics are. And then I'll never forget when I was with another couple, they were from a different ethnicity. Not that that matters, but it just did show up very different to me. Uh, and they kind of got, they, they, they looked at each other. We were in their presence and they said, well, I don't appreciate the way you did that. And the other person said, well, I don't appreciate the way you did this. Well, maybe if you wouldn't have done this. Well, maybe if you wouldn't have done that. Well, I won't do that if you don't do this. And I won't do that if you don't do that. Oh, thank you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> and then they look at Melissa and I and they go, oh, we're so sorry that we argued and fought so horribly in front of you. And I'm going, what? Don't come to my house <laughs> during an argument. Because this Mexican gets, gets angry. You know, and it's for some of you, you know, this is a big deal. For some of you, the don't lie is a big deal. But whatever it is, Paul is saying, hey, the Holy Spirit makes a difference in the way you act. That's what he's saying. And he's saying this, he's saying, don't let sin settle. If you're angry with one another, settle it. Remember, unity is the mark of walking in the Spirit. Unity. So if there's something going on, settle it real quick. Settle it. Now watch this. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. I always talk about this. I always talk about the UFC fight when I, I just see that. Why? Because when I, when I was a young man, I used to love to watch UFC. Not so much anymore. It's gotten to be way too big and way too expensive. But, but either way, I used to watch UFC, and GSP, how many of you know who GSP is? GSP is George St. Pierre, one of the greatest UFC fighters of, of all time. And one of the things that he did better than anybody else is he knew how to shoot in and take someone down, and he knew how to prevent the takedown. And as a good Christian, you have to be willing, to, you have to be ready to do both. How do you prevent the takedown? With selflessness. How do you do selflessness in the ring of life? The way GSP did. He would kick his legs out and not give the devil a foothold. So literally, a guy shoots in, let me show you, you're like this, the other guy's like this. Who's going to make the first move, right? Come on, stay with me. Who's going to make the first move? This guy decides he's going to make the first move. He's going to fake a kick or something, fake a punch, and then immediately, what is he going to do? He's going to shoot, and he's going to grab that leg. And if he grabs that leg, then he's immediately going to start curling up and try to take him down. And if he can grab that leg, many times it's over. Why? Because if he's a good grappler, he's going to take you to the ground. He's going to submit you. Now, what do you have to do on the other side? Well, if someone shoot, if it was to shoot GSP, he would immediately kick his leg straight out. Well, you couldn't grab him. Now, the guy's down here, so he would fall on him. Boom! And grab him around his torso. Now he has control of him. One arm here and one arm down here. You go, how does that apply to God's word? I'm, I'm losing it. it. It doesn't. I just love fighting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course it applies to God's word. The Bible says don't give the devil a foothold. Some of us go up to the devil and we basically do this. <laughs> Will you take my leg? Here, how about my neck? How so?
because we continue doing things the same old way. And God is saying, you're a new creation. I've got a brand new life for you. Watch, you're going to see it very clearly. Let him who stole steal no longer. So if you had a bad habit, substitute it with a great habit. You say, that's exactly what I did. I stopped drinking and I started fishing all day long. How does that serve someone else? You can't substitute one selfish bad habit for another. Now, some of my guys are saying, I don't like you very much. Read God's word. It's about somebody else. How do you serve someone else? Watch. Listen to what Paul says here. Let him steal no longer. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands. What? What is good? That he may, what? Have something to give him who has nothing. Ultimately, it's about somebody else. So when you start giving yourself away through the spirit of the living God, he begins to do something in you you cannot do for yourself. And it's always about somebody else because God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. So watch this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So he says, watch what you do with your hands. Watch what you say with your lips. Watch the attitude of your mind. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't hand him your leg. Okay? Keep it up. Watch this. Proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification. What is edification? That means build somebody up. Now watch, in case you're wondering, I will build up those who deserve it. Watch what the next verse says. That it may impart grace to the hearers. What is grace? Something the hearer may not even deserve, but yet you want to bless them. Speak life. Speak life. Be about other people. Watch. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's called salvation, guys. In case you were still questioning whether I was right, that when you get saved, you are sealed and saved with the Holy Spirit. That right there shows it. Right there. Watch. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What he's saying is this, you've got to let your heart be tender. Remember, you get a hardened heart when you what? Start thinking wrong. How do you renew your mind with God's word, discipleship? Why do you renew your mind? So that when someone does something to you, remember, you're all about unity and the devil's going to try to break up our unity by having us get offended with one another, look sideways at each other, have these weird thoughts. Instead, he says, be tenderhearted. Let your heart be soft. Forgive. Forgive. Don't let the sun go down being mad at one another, angry at one another. Husbands and wives, this will change your marriage. Husbands, refuse to let your wives go to bed upset with you. Say, I'm sorry. You can be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. Keep going here. Forgive one another, even as God and Jesus Christ forgave you. So I do that with Melissa. She gets upset. Now, I hate going to bed mad. She used to tell me, you're not sleeping here. She'd throw my pillow out of, the, out of the, when we were real young, right? I solved that real quick. 
I said, like, hell, I'm not. I pulled my, got my pillow, came right back in. I laid down right by her. And she goes, well, don't get anywhere near me. And we had a king-size bed. She, she goes like this. She goes. And I thought that was so cute. So I'd go. And I'd touch her. And she'd go, mm, don't touch me. And so then I'd reach over with my leg. And I'd just touch her. And she goes, I can still feel you. I said, I just, that's the point. <laughs> and then you just hear Thump. And she goes, you knocked me off the bed. I said, no, you just refused to accept my apology. I love you. I'm sorry. Hey, if God can forgive me, come on. Come on. You can accept your wrong. You can ask for forgiveness. You can be a forgiver. You can, can keep the devil from getting a foothold by practicing forgiveness. Now watch this. Verse 5 of that chapter. Talking about or, or chapter 5 says, be an imitator of God. Follow Christ's example. We're going to go fast. Now we're going into verse 5. He says, don't be a greedy person because a greedy person is an idolater. Do you see the, the context here? On one hand, you're a giver. On one hand, it's about other people. On one hand, it's forgiveness. On one hand, it's unity. On, the, on this hand, it's ex, it, allowing the Spirit to pour you out for others. On this hand, it's all about me. Me, myself, and I. And that's called greed. And isn't that the way the progression ended, right? Foolish thinking, darkened understanding, hardened heart, loss of sensitivity, wanting more and more sensually with an absolute greed. So he says, don't be a greedy person. And he says, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. Walk as children of the light. Find out what is acceptable to God and do that. And then he goes on to say, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. Do you know God's word will make you wise? My dad raised children that loved the Lord and the way he did it was through God's word. I'll never forget one day, me and my brother were fighting. My dad hated us to fight. Hated for us to fight. We were fighting over a G.I. Joe. How many of you know what a G.I. Joe is? It was the baddest, coolest G.I. Joe. We had traded and swapped so many times, we forgot whose it belonged to. Anyone remember that? Where you trade so many times, you're like, no, that was mine. No, but I traded you for this. No, but then you traded it back. And then we were fighting and going at it. My dad says, stop, stop, stop. What's the deal? Bring it to me. We brought him the G.I. Joe, and he says, whose does it belong to? I said, it's mine. Aaron said, it's mine. And boy, we started going at it. He says, stop. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut it in half. You get the legs. You get the upper torso. And, and, and that's the end of the matter. I said, do it. And Aaron says, no, Dad, don't do it. Chris can have it. Because at least if he has it, we can both play with it. And my dad said, it belongs to you, Aaron. You say, that sounds familiar. <laughs> you think? King Solomon did the same thing with two mothers fighting over a baby, and he found the true mother with wisdom from the Lord. Wisdom from the Lord will help you with your relationships. You see that, as Paul says 
He gets into parenting. He gets into marriage. He gets into all sorts of relationships and it happens through the wisdom of the Lord. And the wisdom of the Lord comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says. And do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Be generous. Be giving. Be caring and kind. So I preached a message once because people sometimes don't understand. Getting saved means you're sealed and you've received the Holy Spirit and you have been gifted. Now the Corinthian church were a gifted little bunch, but they were not walking in the fullness of the Spirit because they were walking in the flesh. Paul says it. You were walking according to the flesh. Stop doing that. So it's possible to be saved, but not be filled. To be filled means to be controlled. Listen to what the Bible says. Do not be controlled by wine. Now, is that the only thing that can control you? No. You can be controlled by lust. You can be controlled by gambling. You can be controlled by your work, by your kids, by anything. And anything other than God's spirit is wrong. So to be filled means to let God fill you from top to bottom where he's the leader, he's the one who directs. So I illustrated this once, and this is where we finish, with a milkshake. And I asked, what's your favorite milkshake? Come on, church, what's your favorite milkshake? Say it. Ah. Mint chip. So I had a mint chip shake, and I started putting it in there. And then chocolate, I made a chocolate shake. And I made this about three or four shakes, and I was preaching as I was making shakes. It was awesome. So then all of a sudden I say, okay, here's your shake. Come on up for it. Man, they got up like ready to go. They wanted that shake. I said, well, hold on. This represents the goodness of the Holy Spirit. But many Christians, they don't want to live this way, completely filled and surrendered to the Spirit of the God, uh, of the living God. So I, I took a little bag out. And out of that little bag, there was some dark stuff. And I grabbed that dark stuff with a plastic glove and I dropped it in those milkshakes and I stirred it up and I said it's just a little bit of my dog's poop it, it, it won't harm you the... here you go and not a one of them accepted it and everybody's like oh pastor what are you doing I said that's the way we try to live with God I want to be filled but not I still got a little bit of my own stuff Lord can I tell you something you want to live for the, with the power of the Holy Spirit? Listen to God's word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The way you live without condemnation is you know it's all about him and his love and what his love did and you didn't do a thing to deserve it. Just receive it and say, Lord, thank you. What does that mean? It means that he will work all things for the good of those who love him. All things, including your mess-ups, including when you fall short, including when your faith is not up to the task, including when you decide you want to go your own way. He will pursue you. He will love you. He will work it out for your good because he is an awesome, amazing God. And he never gives up on those he loves. He never gives up on those he loves. Never, ever, ever. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Lord, I trust you. I know that you are awesome. For I am convinced that I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. I'm more than a conqueror. I have conquered because of you, O oh Lord. And this is where it finishes. 
I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or future, or any other powers, height nor depth, nor anything in heaven or on earth can separate me from the love of God. From the love of God. I've settled it once and for all. God is good. And I'm just going to receive his goodness. I'm just going to receive his love. And so there may be someone here right now that has never gotten to that point and they've been, they've been burdened down with all the expectations they're putting on themselves. Maybe life is getting tough and you keep hearing the enemy whisper in your ear and he's condemning you and he's telling you that you're not this and you're not that. Can you just right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, say, I'm okay with not being enough because my king is more than enough. Lord, I receive your love. I thank you that you loved me even when I was unfaithful. You loved me. You loved me when I didn't love you. You pursued me when I wasn't pursuing you. You wooed me when I wouldn't have you. You did everything for me, Lord. You died on a cross 2,000 years ago, even though you knew my sin, even though you knew I would reject you, even though you knew I wouldn't be good enough, even though you knew, Lord, that I would fail you time and time and time and again. But you are faithful, God. You are faithful, God. You are faithful, God. That's where the life in the Spirit starts. Can I tell you, that's where it ends too. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. If there's anyone here that needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior before we partake of communion, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Be part of the family of God. We love you. We love you guys. Come on, help me, help me congratulate. Anyone else? all about our king. Anyone else? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you pray this prayer with me if you feel inclined in your heart to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Father God, I give you my life. And Lord Jesus, I receive you as my king and my savior. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that you are the son of God that the Holy Spirit raised you from the dead and someday, oh Spirit, raise me as well. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, your next step is get in a discipleship group. We do that here. Get in a discipleship group and begin to grow in the Lord. Now the Bible says... That Jesus partook of communion as the seal of the covenant of his love. And so we partake and we say, Lord, thank you for your body that was broken on the cross. And this bread represents your body that was broken so that we might be healed. Lord, we trust in the healing of our body, of our emotions, and our spirit. Because you died, we lived. Father, we also thank you for the shedding of your blood 
for the remission or forgiveness of our sins. Because you gave your blood to be shed, we have salvation and forgiveness. Amen. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Church, have a great week.